This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we take abstract ideas about happiness and make them concrete and manageable. This week is a very special episode. Further discussion of the idea we talked about in episode 214 about giving something up for a month. Now, you may be thinking, hey, This is not episode 220. Why is this a very special episode? It is so special, we are doing it on 219. Because we have the opportunity to talk to the brilliant Melissa Hartwig Urban about this idea and about, drumroll, her new podcast, Do The Thing. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me, live in the studio, her first visit to Cadence 13, (laughs) is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I can tell you that Cadence 13 is 5,500 steps from your apartment (laughs) because we walked here. Yes. And I was logging the steps. Good. It's so fun to actually be at Cadence 13, to meet Bob, our engineer, in person. This is the first time we've been face-to-face. And to get to record with you is so fun. Yeah, it's kind of unnerving to look up and there's your, like, your face talking to me I know, instead of your, just I your disembodied. Oh, I realize I can take my headsets off. Yes. I don't have to listen to you on the headset. Okay, I'm taking my headset off. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, naked head. We're just sitting here talking. We're it's just great. sitting here talking. This is so fun. And Elizabeth, we are going to be together also at our live events. We yes. cannot wait. We're going to Detroit, Milwaukee, Minneapolis. Yes, Minneapolis is sold out, but I think there are still tickets for Detroit and Milwaukee. So please come, bring your friends. It'll be a fun night out, yes. experience happier hour with Gretchen and Elizabeth. Yep. It'll be a really good night. And so if you want information, go to GretchenRubin.com slash events for ticket links and details and all that. Now, Elizabeth, before we launch in, we should say people are very eager to hear about the next I book know. club pick. 
I know we haven't announced it yet. It's just we've been reading all these books discussing should it be this book? Should it be that book? We yep. want it to be great. a great book. We On loved so Inheritance so much. We have to live up now to our first pick. Yes. So we are debating it and we will be announcing it soon. Yes. Stay tuned. Now, this is a very special episode, and we are going to go deeper into this idea of giving something up for a month because we got so many fascinating responses to our episode 214 um, that we decided we would really dedicate a whole episode to it. I have to say, I was not surprised that this struck such a chord because I think this Mm, is such a powerful idea, but it was really interesting to hear how people took it in different directions. Yes, Gretchen, this is what Mary-Kate said. She said, it was just the inspiration I needed to decide to take April off from shopping. I've gone through a long period of being extremely frugal and spending very little as a result of an expensive divorce, followed by a bit of excess spending when the divorce was done and I moved into a place of my own with very little for the home and probably a bit of rebound from the previous season of sacrifice. Now I am well situated and really don't need anything and have noticed I've got a bit of a shopping habit now. I think taking a month off from this will help me be more mindful of my spending and focus on enjoying what I have. Yeah, I think that's a great example of someone who's really noticing how her habits are changing and wanting to make sure that they're directed positively. Um, And it kind of on the same note, Stephanie also wrote about giving up shopping for a month. She wrote, when there were things I wanted during that month of giving up shopping, which was January 2018, I put them on my Amazon wish list and received many of them as gifts for Christmas. Mm. My family was delighted because since after 11 months, I had forgotten about most of these items (laughs) and was honestly surprised. I haven't kept up the habit this year because the one month taught me to add things to my wish list or to write them down and come back to the item later. My spending habits are definitely down. Yeah, I think the shopping thing is huge. That seems to be one of the most popular things to give up. Yes, yes. I think people feel relieved not to be spending money. Yeah, I think think it is weird how maybe it would seem like a real deprivation, but in fact, it feels like a relief. Absolutely. They don't have to make the choice. They just don't buy it. And then it's just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to put it on your wish list, put it on your wish list. Yeah, I think that's a great one. Now, Miriam gave up coffee and alcohol. She says, I just passed the one-month point of giving up both coffee and alcohol. Then this morning, I happened to listen to the episode where you recommend giving something up for a month, so it was perfect timing to reflect on this experiment. I wanted to see if coffee and alcohol were contributing to my anxiety, and I'm happy to share that I truly feel great. My anxiety hasn't disappeared, but it is measurably better. I had been using a mood tracking app for the months before I started this experiment, so I have data for comparison. What started out as a month-long trial definitely seems like it will have lasting and positive impacts for me. The only downside is that by giving them both up at once, I can't narrow down whether I could actually tolerate one or the other. Well, so this is, I wonder if she's a questioner because she Mm. just talks like a questioner. But anyway, this is sort of a good thing to point out that if you are trying to see the effect of Mm. giving something up, you kind of want to see what would be like without it. Don't give up multiple things, especially things that kind of are high impact, like coffee and alcohol. Mm. And I remember Alyssa a while back, a friend of mine was like, oh, I gave up diet soda and I lost a lot of weight. I said to him, I find that very hard to believe. Uh-huh. And he said, well, I did give up bread at the same time. I was yeah. like, well, well that might have that an might. Yeah. So part of it is maybe you want to give up a lot of things because that's just, you feel like doing that, but which is fine. But if you're really curious to know what is the effect of a particular 
kind of practice or item or whatever right. on your life, you might want to do one thing at a time. So Isolate. Isolated. Yeah. So you're a little, you know, doing a little home science there. Um, now, Marla talked about social media. She says, for February, I abstained from social media. I had noticed my habit of mindlessly opening Instagram or Facebook at every dull moment. I do that. Also, as part of my 19 for 2019, I had listed finishing a very long book, Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson, as my number 10. Without the distraction of social media, I was able to blow through the 1,248 pages <laughs> and check that off my list. Now that the month is over, I do find myself checking social media from time to time, but I also open up the Kindle app on my phone more often. Yeah. Well, I think this is a great idea, and other people have talked about this before, where, like, instead of hitting with your thumb one app, you hit with mm -hmm. your thumb. Even if you, like, move them around on your screen, you might encourage yourself to do that. And it's also, these are things where if they feel like they're just filling up these, like, little nothing amounts of time, if you're doing it a lot, it actually can add up to quite a significant amount of your day. And, yes. you know, which if you redirect, you could do things like read a novel or whatever. So that's a great example. Yeah. Now, Miriam gave up all social media. Um, Claire was more specific. She said, I gave up Instagram for Lent. I definitely spent too much time on Instagram on a daily basis, and it was distracting me from my job, my family, and chores at home. It had become like a default on my phone, and like my fingers found themselves on Instagram watching stories without me even <laughs> thinking about it. Giving it up also helped me realize that I was turning to it in times of stress or anxiety, that I need a little hip feeling. And so I've had to find other ways to deal with those feelings, which I feel is really beneficial. Once Lent is over, I do think I will go back to Instagram, but with limits on the time. I will be able to better notice as well why I am using it rather than it just being a default. Well, this is a great example of this whole thing of technology is a good servant, but a bad mm. master. And it sounds like Claire was feeling kind of overmastered by it. It's sort of gotten out of her control. And now she's going to use it in a way that's more positive in the broader in the broader view. Now, I have to say this one I thought um, from Carla was very funny mm -hmm. and whimsical. And because I am obsessed with color and working mm -hmm. on my color pilgrimage book, it really struck a chord with me. She writes, after almost a lifetime of wearing black, I'm 53, I've committed to not buying black for one whole year. <laughs> it started with an outer order, inner calm makeover of my wardrobe. After two hours of tossing clothes, shoes, and accessories into a pile on my bedroom floor, I had a massive mountain of black, and I was shocked. It really got me thinking about my penchant for always buying black and what being constantly dressed in noir is doing for my mood and the way people <laughs> perceive me. Practically everything in my wardrobe is black. Underwear, swimwear, dresses, pants, tops, handbags, exercise gear, and shoes are black. And did I mention reading glasses, mobile phone case, notebook, purse, sleepwear, hair ties, hats, belts, all black. Is it habit? Am I scared of color? Have I hung on to an outdated concept of black, always making you look slimmer and more sophisticated? Is black my color magnet because it's safe? So I decided to take myself right out of my comfort zone, and I am not buying black for one whole year. I'm three months into my bye-bye black experiment. That's B-Y-E-B-U-Y, black experiment. I love that. <laughs> and so far, it has been confronting and surprising. I've had to stop myself from automatically heading straight for black when I'm shopping, consciously make an effort to try and print some colors that I would normally never wear, and accept the realization that I don't actually need a new pair of black shoes or a black bra or a black t-shirt because I have more than <laughs> I could ever wear in my wardrobe already. My best friend has further challenged me by buying me a pair of bright floral exercise leggings as a gift and demanding I wear them to the gym as part of my personal style breakout. 
So will I last the year? Will I find a new signature color? Will I save money in the process? Will I be happier saying bye-bye black? Will I return to my dark and dreary wardrobe choice after 12 months? I'll let you know next January. The suspense. (laughs) The suspense. She really knows how to build suspense. Yes. yes. What's going to happen? I mean, the thing about black is practical. Everything matches. Like in New York, it's like there's a lot of options. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like black, gray, and white. You can't go wrong. Yeah. You're just mixing those. Yeah. Yeah. And then it it doesn't show dirt. And yeah. So there's a lot of reasons to choose black, but there's a lot of reasons not to choose black. Yeah. When I, it does seem like it's bringing whimsy into her life, which we talk about. Yes importance of whimsy. And I feel like she's really embracing this as like a fun experiment. Yes. And again, that alone is just fun. Like yes. if she never wore black and it was the opposite. Yes. She was like, I'm only going to wear black right. and, and see that I'm not, I don't need bright colors to be happy. Right. right. That would also be fun. Right. It's just sort of breaking out of your comfort no, zone. No, a friend of mine had the summer of pink and she only wore oh. pink for the summer. Oh my and, God, um, and I asked her again, I was like, are you going to have the summer of pink again? And she was like, I need to get some more pink clothes. And but but it is, it's whimsical. It's a fun yeah. way to kind of shake yourself up. Now, several people wrote about giving up something different for every month of the year. Yeah. Um, and that's appealing to you. Yeah, because that's a very happiness project. In my book, The Happiness Project, I picked a different theme for each month and then pursued different you know, a handful of concrete manageable resolutions each month. And I do think there is something kind of interesting and engaging and refreshing about this month I'm going to think about this and this month I'm going to think about that. It kind of, it's that atmosphere of growth, but it's also, it's interesting because you're thinking about different things as the year progresses. So Kate said, in 2017, I gave up a different thing every month. It got to a point where at the beginning of a new month, everyone in my office would ask me what I was planning to give up, and my boss started doing it too. Some of the notable ones were buying breakfast on the way to work, the snooze button, Mm. screens before 8 a.m. slash after 10 p.m., and being self-deprecating. She says, a few of these were habits that I felt I was able to break. The self-deprecating one actually worked. And I definitely changed my relationship with alcohol after that June without it, but found myself eating a lot more candy. Mm. In 2018, I did it every other month or so. I'm definitely an abstainer. Well, that, see, that's interesting about this idea of doing something different every month. Along the same lines, Julie writes, for 2019, I've been working on a project where I give up something new for every month. In January, I gave up social media. It was difficult at first, but ultimately so freeing to say nothing of how much reading I was able to do. Well, that's just like the other mm-hmm. listener. In February, I gave up my daily Starbucks run. Every single workday, rain or shine, I'd stop for a latte, whether I wanted one or not. The hedonistic treadmill at work. Giving it up for a month helped me break the cycle, and now I pause and consider whether I even want one before stopping. Not only has it been good for my wallet, it gives me a renewed appreciation for a nice latte when I do get one. In March, I dug a little deeper and resolved to give up negative self-talk. This one has been tougher to stick to, but I can feel it changing the way I view myself. So I'm going to keep it going for April, too. Mm. Later this year, I'm going to try a month of giving up complaining, eating after Mm. dinner, gossip, and too much screen time in the evenings. We're definitely seeing patterns in what people are choosing. I love the notion of not breaking the chain, and it's been super helpful in sticking to these mini resolutions. I think it's fun to give something up every month for a year. It's just interesting. Of course, Coach, you could also think about adding something that will make you happier. Yeah. I mean, sometimes that's more fun. You know, like think about adding family game night. Yes. You know, or adding watching a certain show with your spouse or whatever it is. Right. Probably not adding dessert. Right. right. Uh, You know, adding something healthy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and there's something, there's a distinction that I think would be useful to think about as we talk about the different things that people are giving up. There's the concrete things like, I'm going to give up screen time or I'm going to give up a latte. And then there's the things that people are talking about that are more abstract. That's like, I'm going to give up self-deprecation or like you said you were going to give up nagging or I'm going to give up sarcasm. And I have to say for me, I am always attracted to the concrete just because it's so much easier to monitor what you're doing. When things are in your head, Mm. I think it's harder to know if you're sticking to the resolution. And yet it's interesting that many people are choosing things like that. It's also worth thinking about that sometimes you can go from the outside in. Like, let's say a lot of your negative self-talk is because you're beating yourself up for eating so much junk food. Mm. So if you are tackling junk food, then the negative self-talk will diminish as a consequence. So I would just say for people who are thinking about doing these more abstract kind of um, giving things up for a month is really try to make it concrete in your mind. Like, what does this look like? How does this present itself? And what are you going to do differently? Try to make that very clear in your mind so that it's easier to follow through on it. So thank you, everybody, for your thoughts on giving something up for a month. Yes. Now, coming up, we're going to talk to Melissa Hartwig Urban, who is an expert (laughs) on giving things up for a month. She has created a cultural phenomenon around it. Yeah. And that will be after this break. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
And now for an interview. And this is the perfect time to have a conversation with Melissa Hartwig Urban for two reasons. Um, First, Melissa is the brilliant person who has thought so much about this idea of giving something up for a month um, with the program of Whole30, which she founded. And of course, Whole30 is this giant, huge uh, phenomenon that has overtaken the world. Second, Melissa just launched an amazing new podcast called Do The Thing, which is all about doing the thing. (laughs) And of course, giving something up for a month is just one of a million strategies we can use to try to get ourselves to finally do that thing. And her podcast is part of the Onward Project, which is the family of podcasts headed up by me that are all about how we can make our lives better, along with Side Hustle School and Happier in Hollywood, Elizabeth, yes. (laughs) And for the longest time, I have hoped that Melissa would do a podcast and do a podcast with the Onward Project because she has so much to say on this enormous question of how do we make our lives better. So it's so exciting that Melissa's new podcast is joining the Onward Project family. Do the Thing is going to be so fantastic, and we are so excited to talk to her today. And for anybody who doesn't know Melissa, (laughs) which are very few, she is a certified sports nutritionist who specializes in helping people change their relationship with food and create lifelong healthy habits. She's the co-creator of the wildly popular and for many people life-changing Whole30 program, a four-time New York Times best-selling author. Her books include It Starts With Food, The Whole30, Food Freedom Forever, and The Whole30 Cookbook. And Melissa is an enormously influential voice in the area of health and wellness and also entrepreneurship. Melissa, hey, so great to talk to you again. Welcome. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Elizabeth. It's always good to chat with you both. Oh, we're so happy to get to talk to you again. Now, Melissa, your podcast sounds so great. Explain how you got the idea and what listeners can expect. Oh, thank you so much. I have this big grin on my face. I'm so excited about it. I've been thinking, of course, and talking to you, Gretchen, about doing a podcast for years. For years. And The theory, the the kind of theme of it came to me about a year ago when I gave a presentation at a brunch series on self-care. And the theme of my presentation was that anytime you're trying to make a change and make it stick, whether you're trying to start something new or stop doing something, Mm -hmm. it's not enough to just do the thing. And that experience, the idea came from my own experience with addiction and recovery Mm -hmm. from drugs. You know, the first time I recovered from my drug addiction, the only thing I changed in my life was I stopped doing drugs. Mm. And I didn't change anything else. I just did the thing. And unsurprisingly, I relapsed a year later because it wasn't enough to keep me sustained in this new recovered life. The second time around, I realized I had to change everything about my life. And there were things that were missing in my first recovery period that led to me relapsing. So this idea came around where, you know, it's not enough to just do the thing. What's missing every time you try to make habit change stick? What are the different factors? What are the lifestyle efforts? What are the mindsets? And that's really the basis of the podcast, exploring what's been missing every time you've tried to do the thing, whether that's a change with diet and nutrition or exercise, meditation, maybe it's relationships and giving up toxic relationships or setting up boundaries. Maybe it is the idea of addiction and recovery, but that's what we'll be 
be exploring in the new podcast. So it's almost like people are in a tight focus and they think, okay, what I need to do is X. And you're saying, no, you need to pull back and see a bigger picture and see this thing in the context of your life and how everything's connected to everything else and how you, you change the whole dynamic. Is that sort of the, so that things can stay? Yes, exactly. And it, I'm going to approach it. I am approaching it in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming. It feels <laughs> empowering, right? It's not like, oh, you have to go out and change every single thing about you all at once. It's, hey, there are things, easy switches or things you haven't thought about that would be so simple for you to do, but that will shore up this new healthy habit that you're trying to solidify in such a way that it continues to move you forward. Well, I think I love this because I feel like even with what you've done with Whole30, I'm sure a lot of times people think, oh, I can just eat this way and then I'll be all good. But they had to also change other dynamics in their life when they're doing the Whole30 program. That's exactly right. There's so much of my recovery experience built into the Whole30 program Mm -hmm. rules and structure and support in really subconscious ways, the ways that I wasn't aware of when I was building and creating it. But yes, we talk about this a lot. When someone's doing the Whole30, if the only thing you do in your life is you white knuckle your way through the Whole30 for (laughs) 30 days, you can't expect things to change when you get out of it. So that's why when we talk about Whole30, we're exploring things like your interpersonal relationships and social connections and self-care and what that looks like and negative self-talk and your language around food and your body, all of these other areas that contribute to you taking your Whole30 experience and actually successfully transferring it into a food freedom lifestyle. Well, it's so interesting because I think an advantage that you have is that you're constantly talking to people about their actual experiences. Because I think sometimes people who are sort of experts, they can get very caught up in their own theories. And sometimes I want to say to somebody, have you ever actually met another person? Because like, (laughs) this sounds good on paper, but I don't see this playing out the way you seem to think it will play out. But for you, I mean, you've just been so deeply connected with your community. I'm sure you've you can see patterns and somebody thinks, oh, I'm having this totally idiosyncratic experience. And you're like, I know it seems idiosyncratic to you, but I've like seen this over and over and over again. And let me tell you, this is what I've seen work for people. And let me tell you what tends not to work. You know, so you have the advantage of that deep engagement that you've had for so many years. Absolutely. I think, you know, Whole30 has been around for 10 years. I've been incredibly invested and directly connected to the community for 10 years. I'm still only, you know, answering my own DMs. My Instagram feed is just me. I'm in there every single day talking to people. But what that does is it gives me this enormous breadth and depth of experience. And people say, oh my gosh, like, are you psychic or something? (laughs) How did you know? And the answer is... You know, because I've talked to 50 people over the course of the last two years who are going through your same experience, and I've had the benefit of continuing the conversation. So I offer some advice, and you come back to me and say, that worked really well, but now this. And it just allows me to continue to kind of dial in on what I think is going to work, given your context. Well, Melissa, today we're talking about giving something up for a month, because that's a very powerful thing for people. And of course, the Whole30 is an approach to food that taps into the power of giving something up for 30 days. You know, for some people, certain food groups like sugar, grains, and dairy can cause negative health effects they're not even aware of, which is, you've told us, of course, you're the person who's the expert on this. And with the Whole30, you stop eating certain foods for 30 days and see how you feel. Why do you think this approach of giving something up for 30 days is so helpful to people? 
I think it's a very powerful learning experience mm. and a and a self-confidence booster. It's mm. not necessarily about the thing that you are doing. So while Whoa. it can have tremendous benefits, things like the Whole30, doing the program for 30 days and finishing has tremendous benefit. An enormous and underrated benefit is the fact that you said you were going to do something yes. for 30 days and yeah. you kept that promise to yourself. Yes, That is huge, especially in an area like diet and nutrition, where so often these diets set us up to fail and then blame us. Like mm -hmm. we don't have the willpower. We don't want it bad enough. We're not motivated enough. That experience can be really demoralizing. And if that happens over and over again, you can start to attach that to your worth and your value. Yeah. So taking something, even if it's something small, I'm going to floss my teeth for 30 days. I'm going to drink a glass of water every morning when I wake up. It's an, it's an act of self-care. And sticking to that commitment gives you the experience of upholding a promise to yourself. And that carries over into every area of your life. I have to say, this is something that I thought a lot when I was writing the Four Tendencies book and thinking about the Four Tendencies framework, because this idea of I can make a promise to myself and I can keep a promise mm. to myself is just like each of the tendencies needs to do that in a different way. We all want to get there. We all want to know that we can count on ourselves, even if we have to set up a circumstance in a different way in order to allow us to follow through. But you want to feel like you can rely on yourself. You know, you want to feel like if I want to make my bed every morning, I can make my bed every morning. Maybe I don't want to make my bed every morning, mm -hmm. but if I do want to make my bed every morning, I know that I can do that if I make that promise to myself. Yes. And even with something as simple or as you might think making my bed, you have no emotional attachment to making your bed. What you still go through in that process is an emotional examination of your <laughs> tendencies and your yeah. attachments. So, yeah. you know, why do you wake up on morning four and think, I'm not going to do it. Forget it. I'm This is dumb and I don't have to if I don't want to. And like, what is that bringing up for you and examining that and working through it and making your bed anyway? Like there will be an evolution as I've watched people go through on the whole 30 with any sticking to something for 30 days experience and being aware of that and working through it and coming out on the other side, again, is incredibly empowering. Well, and the question is really day 31, yeah. right? I mean, and it sounds like that's what you're tackling in your podcast is how, how is it that you can just not white knuckle your way through 30 days, but how <laughs> yeah. can you on day 31 come out uh, like as a, as a, not a different person, but someone who's, you know, accomplishing what they want to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. You know, anyone can do anything for 30 days. And like you said, maybe you white knuckle your way through it. Maybe you, you know, make a bet with somebody where you lose a bunch of money. If you don't do it, <laughs> whatever it takes for you to motivate yourself to get through it, fine. That's, that's all well and good. But if you're not doing that as a launching off point yes. to a bigger, more sustainable lifestyle change, you're kind of missing the point of those 30 days. That 30 days of making your bed isn't that your bed is made for 30 days. It's that you're teaching yourself that, you know, tidying is an act of self-care and makes you feel more organized in the rest of your life. And where can you take that into other areas of your home or your work or your relationships? So it's, again, thinking way beyond just doing the thing into what does this mean for me for the rest of my life? Well, I have to say this is something that I thought a lot about when I was writing the book better than before, because I do think that for some people, it is almost 
it can be almost risky to have like 30 days because they're like, oh, if I go for 30 days, then I'm done and I've succeeded. And like now it's over and now I can go back to my normal life instead of saying, oh, 30 days is a milestone, like it's a launching pad. And so I do think that for people, when we first talked about the idea of giving something up for a month, Elizabeth, is part of me sees the power of it. But part of me also sees that some people are like, oh, well, now Lent is over. Now I'm going to eat more sugar than ever. Or I did my 21 day yoga challenge. And now I'm not doing any yoga. It's like part of the challenge is to do the thing consistently and make your whole life different, not to just do it for 30 days. Because that's kind of like a a short-term fun, even if it's super, super challenging, it's like a limited challenge where usually with these things, what we're trying to do is something bigger. Yes. When I was researching Food Freedom Forever, I came across habit research that talked about specifically with flight attendants who were smokers. Yes. yes. Oh that my gosh. When the, right. The end of the flight was in sight, whether it was a one hour mm. flight or a 16 hour yes. flight, cravings spiked. Uh-huh. And so that research really prompted me to spend a lot of time talking about you're not thinking about the whole 30 as ending. There's no concrete beginning and end. It's just part of a larger cycle, right? You're transitioning from the end of the whole 30 into reintroduction and from reintroduction into your food freedom. So there's no concrete beginning or end, which means the brain ideally isn't going to see reward immediately on the horizon and want to revert back to old habits because that's just like our neurochemistry. Yeah. And allows you to think about it from a much bigger picture perspective, not a concrete beginning and end, not a short-term challenge, but a jumping off point or a launching off point or a reset to like help you level up to a whole new lifestyle. I love that term, level up. Yes. Yeah. No, it is. It's about resetting it in a better place. I know you love this phrase, food freedom. And I just have to, can I take a minute, mm-hmm. Alyssa, then tell my favorite story about you? Oh, yeah. So, Melissa, um, so I call Alyssa my sister the sage because she's so wise. And her kryptonite is French fries. And mm-hmm. this was a couple of years ago. She was saying to me, oh, I finally realized I just need to give up French fries because I just can't handle French fries. Because I'm an abstainer. She's an abstainer. And I said to her, well, how do you say no to yourself about you're not having French fries? And she looked at me and she said, well, I just tell myself that now I'm free from French fries. And I love that phrase so much. I almost (laughs) called my book better than before, free from French fries. So so this idea of food freedom, I think people (laughs) don't realize how great it can feel to just get yourself out of that whole game of worrying about it. You know, how do you find that freedom? I love that. I love that, Elizabeth. I think that's so smart. There is... Freedom. This is going to, I'm just going to have to explain. There is freedom in restriction. Yes. That restriction is self-imposed from a place of self-care. Yes. So if something, if you know something is not serving you and you have had this experience of like trying it again and again and again, because sometimes the brain needs 124 experiences (laughs) to finally learn the lesson. And every single time you realize this is not serving me, then putting a hard and fast boundary around it equals freedom. For you, you're not living by someone else's rules. You're creating your own based on this experiment. And that's really the whole point of food freedom is I don't want you to eat Whole30 forever. Living by my rules, 365 is not food freedom. Mm. But I want you to take what you've learned during the experience and create boundaries around your diet in a way that works for you, whatever that looks like. And for some abstainers especially, maybe it is, I just don't ever eat this food Mm -hmm. because it's never worth it and I've learned my lesson. And that can be incredibly freeing. But it does seem like this 30-day approach often helps people kind of awaken to 
This is either on the one hand, like I really love this morning cup of coffee. And so now I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm going to appreciate it more because I didn't have it for a month. Now I can really experience it afresh. And so that's amplifying my pleasure in the pleasures that I give myself. Or it's sort of like, oh, I am realizing that something that I took for granted isn't serving me well or doesn't agree with me. You know, I never occurred to me, maybe I'd be better off taking this thing off, whether it's Twitter or late night television or whatever it is, you know, it's sometimes if you take something out, it kind of awakens you to the idea of like, maybe this isn't serving me well. And so this is sort of a way to experiment with that. It absolutely is. Um, and, and the 30 days is a very nice, round, concrete number. Yeah. As you know, you know, it gets you most of the way towards solidifying a new healthy habit, depending on how emotionally attached you mm. are to the habit. But it is long enough to see change and to see benefit, but short enough that it feels accessible. So it's a yeah. really nice number. Gretchen, you always talk about living in an atmosphere of growth. Yeah. And I think it just, once again, it just helps you keep living in an atmosphere of growth. Right. Because you're learning more yeah. about yourself. Yeah. 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 And the more you learn about yourself and the more you take on these experiments, yes. the more you think of yourself as a healthy person with healthy habits. So it kind of like snow, it's like a happy Ferris wheel where you <laughs> do something that makes you feel better yeah. and then it makes you want to do more that makes you feel better. And then you just kind of progress in this like very happy cycle. Yes, a happy cycle. That's a nice idea. Uh, Now, Melissa, we know you're super active on social media. I follow you on Instagram. So do I. Uh Where can people follow you? You have amazing photos every day. Oh, thank you so much. I really love connecting with my community on Instagram. Right now, it's Melissa underscore Hartwig, H-A-R-T-W-I-G. I'm in the process of a name change, so it's kind of in transition. Eventually, I'll just be Melissa Urban. Ah, yes. Um, Now, Melissa, we ask all of our guests, um, what is a concrete, manageable, try this at home tip that you'd suggest for our listeners is something that they can try to boost their happiness? I like this idea. I've been thinking a lot about it because I've been doing some of these try this at home tips, (laughs) specifically around tidying, because Ah. I'm very, of course, enamored with your newest book. So this is something that I've been doing that I found so powerful. I have been going to bed every night with my kitchen clean. So I don't go to bed until I feel like my kitchen is tidy. And that means dishes done and things put away. If I have things for the next morning, they're like in a neat spot. And I've been doing this religiously. I chose my kitchen because for me, that's an area that kind of represents the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. For some people, it might be an office or a bathroom counter or a child's play area. But my try this at home tip would be pick an area of your home where you feel like you can have real impact and where waking up in the morning and seeing it tidy would be such a like angels singing (laughs) moment. (laughs) and make a commitment to tidy that area up every single night before you go to bed. You don't go to sleep until that area is tidy and try that at home. That is a great suggestion. Thanks, Melissa. It's so great to talk to you. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you both so much. We cannot wait to listen to Do The Thing. I can't wait to have you on Do The Thing, Gretchen. Coming up, Gretchen gives herself a not giving something up demerit, but first this break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Gretchen, when I started my career, 
therapy really helped me work through all of my stresses so that I was able to concentrate at work and do a good job. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gretchen Rubin today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gretchen Rubin. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy for people or for dogs. We all know that. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making an ultra processed food. The farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. My dog, Barnaby, loves the farmer's dogs. When he sees me pulling one of those packets out, he comes running. It's personalized, vet-developed, and it has recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portion, ready-to-serve packs, and they're conveniently delivered on whatever schedule works for me. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and you have a demerit this week. Yes. Um, so I mentioned before that I was going to give up for a month hair twisting. And I have not given up hair twisting. Uh Um, I've been thinking about giving up hair twisting, but I keep thinking this is not the month when I'm going to give up hair (laughs) twisting. And at a certain point, I have to be like, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. What, like, what's the thing from Alice in Wonderland? Jam yesterday and jam tomorrow, but never jam today. At some point, it has to be today is the day that I give up hair twisting, even for just a month. I'm just uh-huh. going to say I'm going to give it up for a month. And the nice thing about hair twisting is it breaks off my hair. And so if I could give it up for like four months, my hair would grow up. Yeah. So it's sort of like this amazing thing where I could kind of get back to... I could wipe it away. Yeah. But I just haven't felt like starting yet. I haven't yet. pulled the trigger. I have not it. pulled... The hair trigger, yes. <laughs> Even though I know that I, I really do want to do this, by giving myself this demerit, I'm hoping that I will, like, give myself the fuel. I just love twisting my hair. I know. I know. I know. I mean, I've done it as long as you've known me. Yes, right? you have. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a born hair twister. <laughs> but, Elizabeth, okay, give us, give us a gold star. All right, well, I'm giving myself a gold star on the topic of giving something up for 30 days. I talked about giving up nagging. Yeah, which is abstract. One of the abstract things, yes. Now, I can't say I gave up nagging for 30 days. I don't know that I could ever truly do that. (laughs) But I will say we went, Adam and Jack and I went to Palm Springs for three days over spring break. And I was like, I'm not going to nag in any relation to this trip. Ooh. And so even though, like, keeping it up for 30 days, I just don't think I could remember it on an but, but, hourly basis. But can I just say, on this idea of making it very specific and concrete, you were like, I'm not going to nag about anything related to the trip itself. Yes. So that's that's a way to make it specific. It's not this general right. overarching thing. It's like the logistics, the packing, yes. the, you know, yeah. 
And what I am almost sad to report is that we actually had a great trip (laughs) and it was much improved by my not nagging, you know? So even though I wanted to leave for Palm Springs at 1030 in the morning to get there by, you know, yeah. Check in time. Yeah. You know, we didn't leave for hours after when I wanted to leave, but I said nothing. Uh-huh. I kept it in and it was so much more pleasant because we were having fun on the drive. And uh. you know what I mean? Adam wasn't irritated that I was like storming around the house saying it's now yeah. eleven. It's yeah. now eleven thirty. Yeah. I was just mellow. Yeah. And then normally when we're traveling, I'm like constantly stressing about when we get to the pool in order to secure a chaise because, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I just said, I'm letting it go. If we don't get chairs, we don't get chairs. We'll just deal with it. You know, and it all worked out. And it was like Jack had so much more fun because, you know, I think I was lighter and yes. not trying to control everything. Um, And it was hard for me. I mean, I can't say I wasn't like tempted to yeah. nag, but I didn't. So it was a very profound lesson. Now, you could say, why is it that I have to be the one to change and not nag instead of other people just leaving in a timely fashion yes. for all the good reasons that I could list on this legal pad <laughs> if anyone were asking? Yes, and Gretchen, that thought went through my head many <laughs> times, but I just thought of your happiness project thing yeah. that you can only change your own behavior yes. and hope that if I'm acting in a way that is more pleasant. Others will then rise. Yes. And that did happen. Like I wasn't nagging them to get up out of bed. Instead, like I went up and did a guided hike at 7 Uh a.m. And then when I came back, I didn't nag about anyone getting up, but they just got up on their own. Because you were up and around. Because I was up and around and I wasn't like standing over them like, get to the pool, you know? So anyway, it was definitely eye-opening. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's a good example of giving Uh, something up, even for three days. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home again. Give something up for a month. Let us know if you tried it. We are still so fascinated to hear people's experiences um, with giving something up and what they decide to give up. Thank you to our guest, Melissa Hartwig Urban. Congratulations to her on her new podcast, Do The Thing. Yes. Listen, subscribe, rate, and review. It's so important for a new podcast. So please do that. Yes. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed. Thank you to our engineer, Bob Tabador, who it's great to meet in person. Yes. And to everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Kraft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. And the resources for this week. Speaking of Melissa Hartwig Urban's new podcast, Do The Thing, it is the latest addition to the Onward Project family of podcasts. So be sure to listen to Chris Gillibo's excellent podcast, Side Hustle School, and Elizabeth Craft, a.k.a. Yeah. Liz Craft, <laughs> and Sarah Fain's terrific podcast, Happier in Hollywood. And, of course, Do The Thing. These are all podcasts about how to make our lives better. Also, if you are looking for Mother's Day gifts, I have to say, most of my books make great Mm -hmm. gifts for a mother, and one that seems to be particularly popular is the Happiness Project One Sentence Journal for Mothers. If you go to GretchenRubin.com slash books, you can see a lot of information about all my stuff. 
Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. So, Elizabeth, guess what I learned on book tour? What? Because um, of the very special episodes being every 10th episode, mm, except mm-hmm. for this very special episode. Yeah. Someone taught me the word decupole. What is that? That's something that taken in groups of 10, mm. decupole. I have to say, I'm not really confident that I can use it correctly in a sentence, but I want to. Yeah, that's a cool word. Decupole. From the Onward Project. <laughs>